Only Jesus, the only name to remember. We pick back up on that sermon series today after taking a week break last week as we looked at the resurrection, how it's radical, the resurrection is radical. But then today we pick back up, like we said, in John, the Gospel of John. We've been going through this gospel this year. We're going to continue to go through it uh, this year, looking at the idea of only Jesus seeing the Savior in a selfie world. And before we jump into that, I want to push the pause button right there and just give you a little bit of a commercial uh, because uh, I don't know if you realize or not, uh, last week while we had services, both 9.30 and 11 o'clock, there were people who typically would be in the 9.30 service who were praying for this service at 11 o'clock and people who typically are in the 11 o'clock service who are praying for the 9.30 service. as one of the aspects of the prayer ministry of the church that I would love to see more and more happen. Uh, and so uh, we're asking for those people who may be interested uh, to take a Sunday once a quarter or something like that to be one of those people who are willing to pray for the services while the services are going on. Now understand that you don't have to pray out loud. Uh, it'll be in the prayer room. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray standing or sitting or kneeling or whatever you would like. Uh, we even helped you with the resources, telling you what to pray and how to pray uh, during those times. And it's also a part of the bigger picture of uh, prayer ministries that we have going on here at Mount Pleasant now, uh, where we want people to be praying for our children's ministry, our students' ministry, and all the different aspects uh, of the church life. And if you would be interested in joining us on the front lines of prayer, because by the way, prayer is important, amen? So prayer is really what it's all about. If you'd be willing to join us on the front lines of the prayer ministry, if you would just shoot an email to prayer at mpbclife.com, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, mpbclife.com, prayer at mpbclife.com, and just say, hey, I'd like to help during worship, or I'd like to help uh, during, uh, to pray for children's ministry, or student ministry, or just wherever you want me to pray. If you'd be willing to do that, shoot us an email, and we will get back with you, all right? It's part of the bigger prayer ministry. We need as many people as possible to pray. Uh, because God is at work. Amen? And we want to see him doing more and more here at Mount Pleasant, and prayer's the key. Now, we'll push the play button and go right on. So today we're looking at uh, the living water. And so since we're talking about living water, hey, how about if I just take a sip? Is that all right, y'all? Get a little bit of this water. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Don't y'all want some? Well, maybe we'll get you some here in a little bit, all right? As we think about water... All humans are 60% water. I bet you didn't know that. And uh, our blood is 90% water. And every living cell of the human body needs water to keep functioning. Water is essential to life. As a matter of fact, we can go without food, I think, 40 days or more without having food. Uh, But we can only go a week or less without water. Water is essential to life. And there's also some benefits to drinking water. I know there's probably some people here that say, I don't, I don't want to hear about water because I don't like water. Give me my sweet tea or my coffee or my Pepsi or my orange juice or whatever it is, but I don't want any water. Well, let me just tell you there's some benefits to drinking water. Well, I, I drink water. I drink water or coffee uh, mainly, mostly just water. Uh, but some benefits of drinking water. Just hear me out, all right? Okay. All right, let's hear some of these uh, benefits of water. One is Water lubricates the joints. Water delivers oxygen throughout the body. When you drink lots of water, it helps maintain your blood pressure. Hey, and when you drink lots of water, it boosts skin health 
and beauty. You can tell, right? <laughs> you, you, you laugh like there's something to that. But nevertheless, we, there's some benefits to drinking water. There are many people today who don't see the importance of having water in our diets, and, but there are many more who do not see the importance of having living water in our lives. But today we want to see that Jesus is the living water. Amen? That's what we want to look at here. But what does that mean? How does that affect us? Well, let's take a look. John chapter 7, uh, starting at verse 31, going through the end of the chapter. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screen. But in honor and reverence to the Word of God, would you please stand as I read this passage for us this morning? And then we will dig dig in. So starting at verse 31, John 7. Many of the people believed in him and said, speaking of Jesus, many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What's this thing that he said, You will seek me and not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit from whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, Truly this is the prophet, and others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came back to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why why have you not brought him? The officers said, No one ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? And they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that you would speak through it. Lord, that you would apply it to our hearts and our lives, that we would understand, Lord, that you are the living water and what that means for us. Lord, we pray that if there are those here that don't know you today, Lord, that before they walk away, they will taste and see and know that the Lord is good and find that living water that is so refreshing and that satisfies. And now, Lord, for those of us who do know you, may it also be a time of renewal in our walk with you. Lord, that we'd walk away more in love with you, Lord Jesus, and more looking like you. Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, if you remember this chapter, chapter 7, 
we have to sort of recap just a little bit since it's been about a week or so. But you remember that there's this festival that was going on back in chapter 2, if you remember, that says the Jews' Feast of the Tabernacles was at hand. And then throughout chapter 7, there were people who were talking about, you know, they didn't really know who Jesus was, but he had these valid claims, and we know that his claims are valid. And now it comes into the festival. They're still in Jerusalem, and they're at this festival And many people are divided over who Jesus is. And this is a huge event that's taking place in Jerusalem. But Jesus uses this opportunity to, again, show who he is and show who they are. But again, understanding what's happening here in this festival. This is the festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast or Festival of Booths, as some of your translations may have. It means the same thing. But this festival or feast was one of the the main ones that the Jews celebrated every year. It was an eight-day feast or eight-day festival. And so it was, some commentators said, for us who don't quite understand some of the traditions of the Jewish people, said if you wanted to try to think about what this one was like, if you could roll up Christmas and Thanksgiving and the 4th of July all into one holiday week, that's what this festival would be like. And so there's a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of joy, there's a lot of excitement, and and things that happen uh, when the people would come to Jerusalem. And again, every male, uh, every Jewish male was expected to come to Jerusalem for this festival. It's sort of like a camping trip. I don't find much excitement in that, but some people would. uh, And people would come, and they would would have to camp out on tops of roofs and, and also in the alleyways and different places throughout Jerusalem. And even the shelters in which they would use as they're camping out during this eight-day festival was prescribed as what it needed to be so that the walls of their, uh, their booth, of the wall of their place, their tent, if you will, would be extra thin, had to be extra thin so that light could come through. And the roof even had to show enough of the sky so that the stars could be seen at night. Well, why, why those requirements? And the reason is, is because this festival was reminding the Jews of their forefathers and how they had wandered in the wilderness, okay? So they're remembering who God is, what he had done for them as he brought them out of Egypt during the Exodus, and they wandered in the wilderness. And this is to remind them of that and how God had also provided for his people. Now, as I said, this was an eight-day festival. It began and it ended uh, with a solemn assembly. And each morning, uh, great multitudes would gather at, at the temple. All these people would come together at this festival. Every morning during the festival, during these eight days. And they would come with something in both of their hands. People would come. In their left hand, they would have this citrus fruit, which would be a reminder of them how God brought them into a land of bountiful blessings. But in their right hand, they would have in their hand leaves from three different trees, the palm, willow, and the myrtle, so that they could be reminded of the people who were on the journey through the wilderness. And so they would come to the temple with these things in their hands. As they'd come and gather together, the priest would then gather, and he would hold up this golden pitcher in front of the people. And the crowds then would follow the priest down to the pools of Siloam. Remember the pools? That's where the lame man was healed not too long ago. The, the Gihon Springs would flow into the pools. And so the priest would go to these pools of Siloam with this golden pitcher. And when he would get there, as they were going, they would be chanting these great psalms and waving the branches. Man, it was a joyous occasion of all of these people who were traveling uh, to, you know, within Jerusalem to the pools. And then they would come back uh, to the temple. But on this first day of the feast, the priest would read... 
from Zechariah chapter 14, verse 8, when, he, when the, that verse reads, On that day it shall be living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. And so as the people are walking through and following the priest, they are remembering who God is and what he has done for them in the wilderness and how he had provided for them uh, throughout the wilderness wandering, that they are God's people today, but also they're looking forward to a messianic kingdom of that which is to come. And so all of this is taking place uh, during this festival. And so as they would approach the pool, the the priest would dip his pitcher into the water. The crowds would then march back to the the temple entering through the water gate to the blast of these trumpets, the shofar. And the priest would then circle around the altar once. He would ascend up with the accompanying priest to the platform. And then he would do something. He would pour water on a rock. And while the water flowed, the people who were standing by would chant Isaiah 12, verse 3, that says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And so for those seven days, they constantly would do this. Every morning, that's what they would do. But on the seventh day, the the priest would again come to the temple, everything as, as normal, followed by the great numbers of people. But this time, as he came back to the temple, the priest would circle the altar seven times. And it's at this moment, at the seventh time, when the altar has been encircled by the priest, he begins to lift this pitcher that he's about to pour out this water, and he lifts it higher and higher and higher before this last day of pouring out the water to remind the people of the water that came from the rock. And as he lifts this pitcher higher, there's a great hush that comes over the temple. And it's at that very moment that we see Jesus does what it says In verse 37, on the last day, on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Wow, what boldness of the Lord. Amen. Can you imagine the scene of all these people who are who are remembering who God is, what he done in the wilderness, looking forward to Messianic kingdom. And Jesus now, in the midst of this great festival and festivity, he steps up and he says, look, for anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he goes further in the passage. As a matter of fact, we're going to camp out right here, just in these verses for just a few minutes. Y'all with me? Amen? That's what we see what's happened here. And so what has happened is that Jesus says, if anyone thirsts. Now, When we hear people being thirsty, those folks knew what it was to be thirsty. When we think about being thirsty, we think about, okay, I've just mowed the lawn. It took me 45 minutes. I'm hot, and I'm sweaty, and I need a glass of water. I'm thirsty. Okay, that's great. Think 100 times greater than that, where these people who Jesus is speaking to here, they understand what thirsty is. They live in a very desert-like climate, okay? Very dry, very arid. And dehydration is very possible for them. They understood what it meant to be thirsty. And so God in his great wisdom and through the Lord Jesus here, Jesus uses something so simple, so elementary to bring home the point of man's brokenness and his ability to fix us. So this first thing that we see here as we look at this passage is our brokenness. Because what Jesus uses is water and thirst. And what anyone needed, what, what we knew about people in that day, in that age, and in that climate is that anyone in that climate, now listen, who is thirsty has a great need. 
right? And anyone in that climate who is thirsty is dying because water means life. And what we've said is that without water, we all die. Now, they certainly would have understood if anyone thirsts. I'm not sure that we always understand what that means. But they would have understood their brokenness and their need for water as they are thirsty. But what we need to take away from that passage is to understand is that all of us are broken, that all of us are in need, that all of us are dying, that we are all broken people, that... Watch this now, and this might hurt your feelings. None of us have it all together. None of us are perfect, and therefore all of us are thirsty. All of us have this need. So here's the problem, here's the problem with our brokenness that stems back to the fall in the Garden of Eden. Because of the sin that took place in the Garden of Eden, we are now broken people. And the problem with our brokenness is that we're so broken, we don't think we're broken. That's how broken we are. And in our brokenness of needing to have our thirst quenched, seeking to have satisfaction, we look in the wrong places to find water for what we think we need for life. The Pharisees here, as they're going through their rituals, they're trying to find satisfaction by going through, checking off all the boxes and making sure they're doing all the festivals and doing all their religion and all their rituals to follow it through. But no, and make sure they were looking just right. But no matter how they looked and what they were doing, Jesus knew that they were in need and that they were broken. He says, if anyone is thirsty, there's a need, people are broken. And so they're remembering and they're looking forward to this messianic kingdom that is to come. And they're and remembering what Jesus and what God has done for them, looking for this messianic kingdom. And it's in this context that Jesus says to one and all, realize that you have a need, realize apart from me that you perish. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, and beloved, the truth is, is that we all are because we're all broken. But people are looking to find satisfaction and have their thirst quenched in the wrong places, just like the Pharisees here, just like Solomon did, just like other people and throughout all of history. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have honed themselves or dug themselves out cisterns or broken cisterns that can hold no water. We're looking for satisfaction, trying to build our own way and find our own way in ways that will not work. They will not last. And so our brokenness, because we don't even realize how broken we are, and we try to find a fix to our brokenness in things that will not fix it for us. Jesus knows that, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, and then we see the second point, he gives, there's, the word is bidding, meaning he is inviting. We see his bidding. In verse 37, again, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's his invitation. Let him come to me. If anyone's thirsty, if anyone has a need, and we all do, if anyone's broken, and we are, then let, them come, let him come to me and drink. Let him come. Jesus says, let him come to me. Standing up in the temple, and all this is taking place. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink, Jesus says. Man, what an awesome invitation, amen, that Jesus gives to the people. Let him come. No one is excluded. Jesus invites everyone, anyone who's thirsty, even these who are listening, and some, most of these are 
enemies of Jesus. But he extends the invitation anyway. Come to me and drink. To the Jews at the festival, Jesus steps up and says this. And he's saying, instead of looking to your empty rituals, instead of looking to your religion, look to me to find life. Come to me. Where is it that you're looking? You see, they were caught up in their heritage. They were caught up in their traditions. They were caught up in their religion. But Jesus says, look, if you're thirsty, come to me. Over and over again in the scripture, we see that the Lord calls us. He bids us to come. Let me just give you two of those. One is in the book of Isaiah, one of many in Isaiah, but one in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, where it tells us, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Look at what God is saying. Come to that which is freely given for you. In Revelation 22, verse 17, we read at the end of the Bible, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. You see, we see the scriptures show us that God has given us this bidding, this invitation. Look, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. And over and over, and the word still applies true today. Because what happens is the Lord takes our brokenness upon himself, and he gives us life to and to all who will come and drink. To come and drink. To come and to drink. As a matter of fact, those two words in that passage are in the imperative language, meaning this is what you must do, to come and drink. To come and drink. You know, many have come to Christ, but not all drink of him. There was the story of the rich young ruler came running to Jesus, wanting to know what he needed to do to have eternal life. He heard the invitation, he came but then he went away sorrowful because he was not willing to give up himself. You remember that story? He came, but he didn't drink of all that Jesus is and all that Jesus offered. You remember Luke 14, Jesus said in that passage, Whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple, giving up all of ourself to receive all of Jesus. Jesus says, come and drink. Receive all of him. Empty all of yourself and receive him and all that he did for you by faith. But, you know, here's the thing is that too many don't want to drink fully. We want to come to Jesus and we, don't, and we want to drink of Jesus, but we just want a little bit of Jesus. We just want a Sunday swig. That's all we want. Just give me a little Sunday taste of who Jesus is. I want to be my own person the rest of the week, but just grab a, I want to grab a little taste here of Jesus, a little taste here and there of Jesus, just a little swig here, a little swallow there, but, but that's all. No, Jesus says, uh-uh, you drink fully. Come and drink fully. He drinks it all. So let me ask you a question. So if you were a thirsty person, and I, I mean thirsty. I don't mean like you just got in from mowing the grass. I mean like you were out in the, in the heat for a long period of time so that your, your lips are chapped and cracked. The back of your throat is scratchy. Your skin begins to feel like it does when it's dehydrating. And you are really thirsty. And somebody comes to you and they give you this big glass of water. Are you going to just say, no, that's good. I think I'll take a little sip of that. No, I don't think so. You're going to grab a hold of that thing and you're going to drink it all down drink, and look for more, right? Drink it all. 
And that's, what, that's the wording here we're looking at as Jesus says, drink fully of me. Not just a little sip, not just a little swallow, but drink fully of me. Amen? All of who he is. You see, there's no such thing as just a semi-Christian, right? We're all his. We are all in. We're sinners saved by grace, surrendered, submitted, and sold out to Jesus, bowing in repentance, yielded to him, following him. He says, come and drink. Drink and be filled. Drink and be satisfied. Drink and have your thirst quenched. If anyone thirsts, he says, let him come to me and drink. I, I don't know about you all, but I think that's an awesome invitation, amen? I mean, an awesome invitation of the creator of the universe who loves you and knows your need, knows that you're broken, and he's extending to you an invitation to come and drink of him because he is the living water. And that's some great invitation. I know that you all have had to deal with, with invitations before. Some of you are getting close to, to graduating from high school, and you've got to make sure that you get all those invitations out to all the right people and all the right places, and wedding invitations and party invitations and ceremony, all those things, and a lot of invitations today. There's an invitation that's a great one also as a nation that we have at Ellis Island on the Statue of Liberty. Maybe you've seen it or heard it. For decades, one of the places, uh, first places that immigrants uh, to America would land was at Ellis Island. And they came hoping for a better life. They came longing for a chance to find happiness. And the Statue of Liberty was an invitation. And there's a poem there by Emma Lazarus that captures the invitation of the statue that says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me, and I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Man, that is an awesome invitation for people who are looking for freedom to come to the United States. But as awesome as that invitation is, here's a greater invitation with a greater need. When Jesus says, come, anyone who thirsts, come, Anyone who is broken, come. All anyone who is needy, anyone who is dying, come and drink. Come to me and have life. That's his bidding, to come and to drink. As we look at this living water, we see our brokenness and we see his bidding. And then thirdly, we also see believing. We see believing. In verse 38, Jesus has just said, if anyone thirsts, remember, he's standing up in front of all these people who are, who are commemorating the pouring of the water on the rock, remembering that from the rock the water flowed and God provided what the people needed there in the wilderness. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Here's this believing. He who believes in me. You see, that passage, or that phrase, is used over 40 times in this Gospel of John. He who believes in me. This believing, the coming and drinking that he talks about there in verse 37 is believing in him. Believe in Jesus and have life. All through the Gospel of John, we see this. Believe in Jesus and have life. Believe in Jesus and have life. Believe in Jesus and have life. In John chapter 6, just a few weeks ago, we saw verse 35 and 47 where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Most assuredly, verse 47, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. 
You skip ahead to chapter 11, which we'll hit in just a few weeks, where Jesus says to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then, of course, we know that the, the verse that we've sort of used as the anchor to this whole book of learning and understanding what the Gospel of John is about is from John 20, verse 31, that says, But these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Y'all with me this morning? That's what we're talking about is having life in Jesus, the living water, and believing in him. He says, he who believes in me will have flowing from his heart rivers of living water. In him, we have hope. In him, he fixes our brokenness. In him, he quenches our thirst. In him, he satisfies. Now, how do we know that he's able to do that? Well, it's because we know that he is who he says he is. And that he is God. And that he is the Messiah. And just as the water, listen, just as the water gushed forth from the rock in the wilderness, think about this. Now just think about this for a minute. As the water was gushing from the rock in the wilderness, that very water was pointing to the one who was to come who would satisfy the thirst of the world forever. Jesus is that rock that was broken. He's the one who provides life as they're in need of water. He's the one who would be broken by God and life would come forth from him. Even, even in this festival, as they just think about the Jewish people, these, all these who are going through this feast, this festival, they are remembering and commemorating God who provides for them, thinking about what God has done, knowing that they're God's people, but they're expecting the messianic kingdom. So in this festival, they are celebrating Jesus. And they don't even know that it's Jesus. That's what they're doing here. He's the one they're celebrating at this festival, even though they may not realize it. He's the one who's going to usher in the messianic kingdom, but they're oblivious to it. And even as they proclaim from Isaiah 12, 3, that with joy you would draw water from the wells of salvation, they don't understand, but we know that Jesus is the well of salvation from whom comes all joy. Amen? Because that, that's where the joy is. Jesus is where the joy is. He is the joy. From the well, with joy, you'll draw from the water, from the wells of salvation. We know because 1 Peter 1, 3, Christian Standard Bible says this, because of his great mercy, he, Jesus, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has given us a new birth. We have a living hope because we've been born again because Jesus rose from the dead. He died for us and rose again. You see, he's the one, he is God, who has the power to give life. And so we hear his bidding and we believe. We recognize the brokenness and we come and drink, believing in Jesus, having faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus, for he is the living water. And so we see our brokenness as we look at this passage and we understand who God is and that he calls us to himself. We hear his bidding to come and we believe in him by faith. And then as we believe in him by faith, then we are to live the life, fourthly, that is bubbling. Bubbling. I know, it's bubbling, all right? It starts with B and it works, all right? Just, just hang with me, all right? And so we see here in verse 38, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart, watch, will flow rivers of living water. Well, what, if you've been to a river, what does it do? It bubbles, amen? 
right? All right, so, so that's what we see here. So out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When we know Jesus Christ, when we believe in him, we have come and we drink of him and, and we are filled with him. What, the heart overflows with rivers of living water. So here's the question. What is flowing from your heart? What is it that flows from your heart? You see, understand that he's talking about the Spirit. Because when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, when we believe Jesus Christ by faith, we understand that we're sinners, we need him to save us, we hear his invitation to come, we say, yes, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. He comes, he cleanses us of all of our sin, and something miraculous, transformation takes place where the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. And the Bible here says that in verse 39, as he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, that he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus now has been glorified because he rose up bodily from the grave and has ascended to heaven, and we have the Spirit of God living within us. Right? And so if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God is living within us, now don't miss this now, with the Spirit of God in us, there is this rich abundance of life like a self-replenishing stream in the, in the believer. So not only do we have great satisfaction that comes from knowing Christ as Savior, but now this river of stream of living waters is overflowing us out to other people. Amen? It overflows us. As a matter of fact, if you belong to Jesus, if you've been saved by his grace, washed by the blood, know him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you cannot help but to overflow Jesus in your life. You cannot help it, but you overflow the Lord and the living waters to other people. With that spirit in us, we have this life and this loving boldness. you got to love Jesus' boldness. I mean, in the midst of this Jewish festival, he steps up and says, I am the one that, that if, you're, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Man, the boldness of our Lord. And listen. When we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we have this same life and we have that same boldness because we have the resurrection power. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it talks about uh, being witnesses, he says, you shall receive power, that's resurrection power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We have this within us. We are able to bubble forth the living water of Jesus, because he overflows our lives. Amen? As believers in Jesus, we have the Spirit within us, and Jesus is to bubble forth from us in our Christ-like life, in our Christ-like love, in our Christ-like humility, in our Christ-like servanthood, in our Christ-like attitudes, in our Christ-like actions, in our Christ-like willingness to speak to others about him. Jesus had the boldness, we have a loving boldness to point people to him because they, we, we are responsible to do this. You see, as we look at this passage of Scripture in verse 43, it tells us, so there was a division among the people because of him, because of Jesus. Even in that day, there were people who were divided. They couldn't decide who he was among the religious leaders, among the people of Jude, uh, Jerusalem. All this, there was a division 
about among the people as to who Jesus is. Beloved, let me tell you something. There is still a division about who Jesus is. And, and let me just tell you this. Let me just bless your socks off real good, okay? Let me just tell you this. As, as true disciples of Jesus Christ, it's not going to get easier. But rather, it's going, there's going to be an increased alienation and pressure from the world. But even as we are alienated and we're pressured by the world, it should never dissuade us from bubbling forth the rivers of living water that is within us. Amen? You know, there may have been a thought one day that we could just go to hang out, you know, just go to church, build a church, open the doors, and people would just come into the church. Well, understand that that has never been biblical, nor has it ever been practical. But the world, you see, still has this desperate need because they are perishing with thirst. Just like we were who know Jesus today. We once were perishing with thirst. But God has chosen the institution. He has chosen the living body known as the church to be the means that he has chosen to bring the living water to the world that's thirsty. So we say something here at Mount Pleasant quite a bit. We are to meet people where they are. Well, just in case you don't know what that means, let me help you with that just a little bit. Meeting people where they are means that you go out into the community, you go out into your neighborhood, you speak to your neighbors, you go into your workplace, you go to the marketplace, and as you're out in those places, you meet people right where they are, and you point them as the world, you point them to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. The world is in need of finding the living water. And we as the church have been given the responsibility to take the living water, to bubble that out to the people that we come in contact with. So wherever you are is your mission field. Wherever you're at at the moment is your mission field to meet people right where they are and to point them to Jesus Christ. Pastor, you say that the world needs to know about Jesus. Well, you know, I can't be everywhere. I can't tell the whole world about Jesus. I mean, come on, Pastor. Okay, you can't be everywhere, but beloved, you can be somewhere. Amen? You can be somewhere, and you're going to be somewhere, and wherever that somewhere is, meet people there and point them to Jesus. Hey, but I got something else for you. You may not be able to be everywhere, but your prayers can. Because you can still pray for the people who are lost all over the world. And you can pray for the missionaries who are in places where you're not. Amen? Your prayers can go everywhere. And here's one more little, little thing for you. Is that not only can your prayers go everywhere, but your money can go everywhere too. And we do something here at Mount Pleasant, where is a Southern Baptist church, where we take up an offering that not a dime stays here. Every penny goes to support missions in North America called the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. We do that at Easter, obviously. And then at the Christmas time, we have another offering called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, where every dime of that does, none of it stays here. It all goes out to support our missionaries on the foreign mission field. And so we give of our money, and that money goes and is distributed and helps our missionaries to share the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus Christ with the people, a world that is thirsty for the living water. Amen? And then as we are here and we continue to give weekly in our tithing, a 10% of our undesignated tithes goes to support the cooperative program, which continues to support more missionaries, uh, also uh, through the Annie and uh, Lottie Moon types, and then uh, through our seminaries and helping our, our uh, convention as well. 
where we're pointing people to Jesus, helping people who are ministry to be pointed toward Jesus. All this. So you can't be everywhere, but you, your prayers can and your money can. The world, listen, the world needs to see and hear from us as the church that the world's greatest need is Jesus. Amen? Because he satisfies what we're truly thirsty for. He fixes our brokenness. He invites us to come and to have life. But the question is, does the living water flow from you? If not, you first need to come and know him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And then as you know him as the Lord and Savior of your life, then you seek to be filled daily as you abide in him or dwell in him, spending time with him in prayer. You grow in your faith. You worship him. You fellowship with other believers. You love each other. You serve him in obedience, and you tell others about him. That's our commission. That's our command. That's what we're called to do. We're not called just to enjoy a pew on Sunday morning. We're called to be the church, being taking the living water to the people who we come in contact with every single day. Amen? Amen. Every single day. As I was looking at uh, just some, you know, the research for this passage of Scripture, thinking about people who were thirsty and what have you and what's happened in people's lives, I found an article from back in 2007 where there was this, this 29-year-old man who went on one of those wilderness survival adventures in a desert. I know it's crazy, but people do it, right? So he went on one of those wilderness survival adventures in a desert in Utah, with a group known as BOSS, B-O-S-S, Boulder Outdoor Survival School. And on day two, this young man, who had been in pretty good health, pushed himself through the desert, had gone roughly 10 hours without water in 100-degree heat. He finally dropped dead of thirst, face down in the dirt, less than 100 yards from the goal which was a cave with a pool of water. He was so close, but yet he perished. But you know, here's a greater part of that story that I think is a, a greater tragedy. Is that there were a group, there's a group of people, none of them had, food, had water except the tour guides who were with this group of people. They, all of the tour guides were carrying emergency water, but did not offer it to this guy because they wanted him to make it to the goal himself. You see, they had what he needed, but they did not offer it, and he perished. Beloved, we have what people need, but too often we refuse to offer it and to give what we have and because of that, people are perishing. Maybe we think they'll make it on their own or that they're so close or surely they'll, they'll make it, but instead they perish. Believer, listen. You who have drunk from the wells of salvation, bubble forth the rivers of living water to the people who are all around you because the world is thirsty and they need the living water or else they will perish. We have a responsibility. Two things to do and we're done. Number one, believe. So as we think about 
Jesus' invitation. We recognize we're all broken. We're in need of him. Jesus is calling you. He is still the risen Savior, still alive, knows you by name, created you. He is calling you to come to himself because he loves you. He went to the cross for you. He rose again bodily, giving you hope, giving you victory. He is calling you to come and to drink of him. Trusting him by faith, believing in him, embracing that he is who he says he is. And then once you believe in him, here's the second thing you need to do. Can you guess the word? Bubble, all right? You need to believe and you need to bubble. You need to believe and you need to bubble. Don't be ashamed. Hey, don't be ashamed to bubble. But bubble rivers of living water, amen? Bubble that out to the people all around us. And so listen, this week, chances are you're going to do something. At some point, you're going to turn on a faucet. Or at some point, you're going to push your glass up against that bar that, that you put in your refrigerator and water comes out. Or at some point, you're going to put your head over and you're going to drink from a water fountain. Whenever you do that this week, you need to ask yourself, am I thirsty for Jesus and am I bubbling rivers of living water from my life? Believe and bubble. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and our lives. Lord, that indeed, if there are those here who've never trusted you by faith, that this would be the hour they would believe you, that you love them, you died for them, you gave them hope just as you've done that in some of our lives who are here already, knowing you by faith. And Lord, those of us who do know you by faith, knowing you is in a, in a relationship with you, help us, Lord, to bubble, to share forth the rivers of living water and the way in which we live and the words in which we say and how we point people to Jesus through all of that. Now, Lord, may you be with us as we come to this invitation. If there are those who want to make that decision of commitment to say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, we know, Lord, that the pastors are here on the front, that they can come and just say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, and we'll be glad to pray with them. For those of us, Father, who just need to come and recommit our hearts and lives to you, say, Lord, I want to I want to bubble the, the life you want me to live. I want people around me to see the living water flowing from me. I want to recommit my life to that. I recognize I was broken, but Jesus has fixed me. I believe in him by faith, but I want to live that out daily. Lord, help us to, to live it out and to bubble forth the rivers of living water. May you have your way now, Lord, in this invitation. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. You come if God's dealt with you.